We're Eternals. We came here 7,000 years ago to protect humans from the Deviants. Why didn't you guys help fight Thanos? Or any war, all the other terrible things throughout history? We were instructed not to interfere in any human conflicts unless Deviants are involved. By who? Hello and welcome to this fan critical podcast, which is a spoiler cast on Marvel's Eternals. Ooh, yes, the one millionth film in the uh, Marvel franchise. Um, Today I'm joined by Gaz. Now, you know, first question off the bat. So all the Eternals, Mm. yeah, they all have um, specific powers, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I know where this is going. Weirdly, yeah. they all have specific powers. What what one would you choose out of all of those powers? <sighs> That's a good question. And there there are some some great powers. Um, you know, I would choose super speed. Well, That's I me will doing choose you. super speed. That's absolutely right. And I understand, <laughs> you know, that there are more See? practical powers. I get that. And, you know, being able to control mm, minds, mm, arguably, mm. has has more use. But it's just fucking cool, isn't it? Yeah. Running fast. I mean, you know, in a way, I already have that superpower, so don't need it. I'll take the next one. Next. Thanks. What about you? What are you taking? I'll take super strength. Yeah, I'm the Icarus of the group, obviously, Nonsense. of the whole fan critical unit. I would say, you know, I'm I'm the alpha the apex if we're, if we're getting into spoilers um, straight away, it means you're also the, the dickhead, the bell end of the group. So, yes, I suppose that is accurate. Well done. Probably very true, uh, to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm harsh but fair. I would say John would be the sort of Gilgamesh-type character. Although, when I think about this, I, I think... Gil- Gilgamesh is very sweet. Yeah, sweet. And, and John is caring, obviously, but he's... Not, sweet not outwardly. is definitely not how he's- I would describe... He's John. not explicitly sweet, is he? No. Like it's, he keeps it bottled no. up. We know he cares, but he doesn't show it, unlike Gilgamesh. So who would uh, who would John be? He'd be sort of... Um, he can't be Kingo. Um, who's the... <laughs> I don't, no, don't, don't know who John is. <laughs> definitely not. Who's the, uh, who's the really shit one? He's not one? Fastos. Who's the really shit one that does nothing? He's not Fastos. Oh, we have running out of options here. He'll have to be He'll have to be Thena. Yeah, John can be... No, I've got it. John can be the, the deviant. That is becoming like <laughs> sort of uh, self-aware and and, gr- and he grumpy is, isn't he? That, he is becoming self-aware out. and sentient so, in real life. He is. He he is. He is. So John can be that. Um, I think Lucy would be Athena. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's a fair fair shout. And 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 Emma could be. Um, she might be the Cersei. little kid that doesn't grow up and gets annoyed at everything. Oh, yeah. Well, no. I thought yeah. she'd be Sprite, but that's just me. She'll be Sprite. She's <laughs> upset that she can't have things that real adults can have. So before we get into our thoughts on Marvel's Eternals, I thought I'd uh, paint a little picture for everybody because Melbourne, where me and Gareth reside, is the most locked down city, and this is a fact, in the world. So we have spent the most time, if anywhere globally... In lockdown. Now, Melbourne, before coronavirus began, was voted and has been voted for several years as the most livable city in the world in terms of like, you know, um, you know, happiness, um, 
you know, real estate, all this shit, Gareth, right? All these metrics that people measure about livable cities. See, you're an expert. Yeah. Yeah. Big expert. Melbourne is number one. Okay. Or was number one. Now it's been locked down all this time. It, it, it just to, to sort of add a bit to that, it's, um, I won't go too deep into it, but it's by the Economics Intelligence Unit. And uh, Melbourne was seven years in a row. Oh, it was God. number one. Seven years in a row. Um, quite the reign of terror that Melbourne had. So me and Gareth have been locked down, unable to go to the cinema for a very long time, which is why a lot of the fan critical content has been original content. Um, you know, the whole cinema industry was hit. So that's why we came up with things like not all sequels. How the fuck have you not seen that? 60 Minutes to Midnight, something else, something new, etc., etc. Because we just couldn't go and see films. And mm. technically, until a few weeks ago, we still couldn't go and see films. Literally, this is two weeks ago, we can finally go to the cinema. So... Obviously, we're very excited. We're like, okay, we finally get to go to the cinema. Now, let's go I see won't June. Spoil it, but Gaz wasn't. <laughs> yeah, we want to see June, but we still can't see that yet. But Gaz wanted to, didn't really want to see this film. Anyway, I'm quite yeah. excited to see this film. So yes. I try and get to the cinema nice and early, you know, get myself a nice little meal beforehand, settle in for a nice thing. Turns out that I had the most stressful approach to a film i've ever had in my life i've never seen anything like it i was stuck in parking hell <laughs> it's in a shopping center right the cinema a mall to you americans and honestly i cannot tell you how annoyed i was i was punching the steering wheel i was swearing i was beeping i was going crazy i could not get a parking space for 40 minutes i thought i was going to miss the movie all right so Gaz knows because I rang him and I was just like, I'm going to fucking miss the movie. This is a fucking joke. Your it was a joke. incredible. The most and... xenophobic vitriol coming, spewing from his little mouth. <laughs> it made no sense as well. Uh, this I was country, so annoyed. This, this, this fucking country. This doesn't happen in England. Yeah, mate, you didn't drive in England, you <laughs> lunatic. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, I did. I wasn't going to say that to you at the time, man. I finally got a space just as the film was beginning right so rush in get all my snacks as we know on this podcast i like my snacks i get my m&ms i put it in my popcorn and i get my large you know pepsi max coke zero whatever that's my thing get all my snacks and we settle in so my mind space going into this film was already at rock bottom okay rock fucking bottom you'd been questioned now, as well by the uh by the the the, the cinema oh lady. god are you vaccinated she didn't believe i was double vaccinated I'm double vaccinated, all right? Let me in the fucking cinema. Here's my certificate. You look unwell. Anyway, well, that's fair. That's fair, you know. Um, I did look very disheveled that day. Um, yesterday. So before we get into spoilers, because spoilers abound, okay? Spoilers abound, and we're going to talk full spoiler cast. Um, what I thought we'd do is talk spoiler-free about our general thoughts on the film, give it a score, and then we'll go into spoilers. So that if anyone has... Uh, the urge to still go see this film or hasn't seen this film yet and just wants our overall thoughts without anything being given away, then um, I thought this is a better way to do it. So this is what Rotten Tomatoes has to say, uh, which is kind of a barometer we use to see general consensus. Now, I don't believe in the tomato, the tomatometer or whatever it's called. Because, you know, if it if it's sixty percent, if someone gives it like three stars, it's you know it's it's, it's certified fresh, okay, and, and it could be across the board that that happens. So it's a difficult one, but we do use it because it's a good gauge of 
sort of where a consensus is at. It doesn't it definitely isn't a marking scale for a film. You were pro. You were, and I know this for a fact. You were pro Tomato Nita until. Oh, hey, um, IMDb and and Tomatoes. You, you were pro Rotten Tomatoes until it proved you wrong about Princess Bride, and now you've suddenly switched. <laughs> God. No, I've always said no. this. You can go back. Anyway, Rotten Tomatoes says this. An ambitious superhero epic that soars as often as it strains, Eternals takes the MCU in intriguing and occasionally confounding new directions. Uh, 47% critic response, 80% audience response. Audience response. So that's quite interesting to me that there's this... Um, the audience seem to like it, but critics are, are waning uh, on the MCU. Yeah bandwagon a little yes. bit um so gareth i want your thoughts and your blueberry score of course the blueberry scale zero to five uh can be no halves you know very harsh but fair yeah. scale first question is can i have your overall thoughts and then after you've blueberried it i want you to tell me where you think this sits within the mcu uh sort of portfolio because obviously they've had almost 30 films now maybe more it might be 31 um, plus all the TV stuff that's going on. Where do you think this sits in the pantheon of Marvel? Good use of pantheon. That feels relevant. Mm. Um, yeah, very much so. <laughs> all right. So uh, in your your setting of the scene, you did mention that I wasn't looking forward to this film. And that's a vast understatement. I could not be asked with this at all. Um as I've said a few times, I'm completely, I'm totally marvelled out. I've had enough. I don't need it. Um, mm-hmm. Every time I see mm-hmm. that that Marvel opening credit thing, it's, it, I'm, I'm just tired of it. I'm so tired of it. Uh, and that's a shame. I don't want to feel like that. It's given given me some incredible movies, some brilliant times. But stop it, stop it, please, for a bit, just for a bit. Stop it. And it feels like... Yes, Disney, stop making billions of dollars. Stop making... Hey, Disney, you know that you know that printing, money printing machine you've got over there? Turn that off yes. for a bit. Yes, well, right? you know, it, uh, should we... If you have that attitude to everything, Len, we'd still have coal, uh, coal factories open up across the world. Oh, wait, we still do. Yeah, we do. And I, and I have to say, me and Disney, very different people. So... <laughs> okay. Um. One's got big ears. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. I've got big ears as well. And Two the other's Disney. Ears. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, look, expectations weren't high going in. I'm going to say I was, there are some, in some ways, I was slightly, slightly pleasantly surprised um, in how I felt about this film. I don't know whether that's just because of the experience of going to the cinema uh, with you for the first time in, in a long time. It's, it's been a while. Um, the shenanigans that took place beforehand with you and mm. you, your parking and not being allowed in for a bit and I had to come and let you in like like I was your dad or something. Um, but I enjoyed the experience and the film itself had some things that I did like. You know, I am a geographer by trade and geography teacher. Uh, it's not quite as exciting as it sounds. Um, and I love the element of like traveling around the world that this has. You know, we're, we're all over the place. We're in London. We're in the Amazon. 
uh, not specified where, but we're in the Amazon. We're in um, Australia. We're in India. It was it, it was cool. Um, I really liked that. We also traveled through time a few on a few occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes slightly bamboozlingly as well. Like <laughs> there, there was one in particular, one travel back in time, and I, I thought that that was part of the linear storyline at first, that, you know, they went, mm. we have to go and see um, Ajak. And then they were back sort of yeah. a thousand years prior. And I was like, oh, cool. They yeah. traveled in time. Um, so some of that was a bit confusing, but I did like that element. I also didn't necessarily mind the fact that it's two hours and 37 minutes long, which on paper sounds like it's going to be far too long. I, I'm not sure. It- the longest, The longest Marvel movie ever, by the way. Is it really? Wow. I'm not sure it it sort of gave that impression. Um, so look, there are a couple of things that I, I didn't mind. So some of the some of the, the acting was good. There's a there's a cool cast in this. Um and some interesting characters. It's very diverse. You've got to give it you have to give it some credit yep. for that. Uh, incredibly diverse cast. Yep. Very much so. Um but then there are some things that really let it down unsurprisingly i think like a the incredibly convenient explanations that are given that don't really make much sense for why they haven't been getting involved in anything that's happened yeah and we'll also get on to some of the huge plot holes i think in terms of their reasoning for things is is, is baffling okay yeah yeah. well so i won't i won't say anything about that but yes some of the some of the the baffling decision making is absurd um and you know it there are there are several story threads that just that go nowhere and and I don't understand why so uh, i feel like i feel like this is a do you know what? I think I'm going to surprise you here i'm going to give it 3 blueberries oh 3 yeah yeah yep. I, I was I was torn. I was going to give it. I was going to call it an enjoyable two, but I I don't think that's allowed. I think I think it's a it's a three. Um, I'm not in a rush to go and see it again. But did I hate Did I hate watching it yesterday? Not really. No. Mm. And do you think it's the worst Marvel film, or do you think it's above some of the others? Um, without without being able to sort of think of specifics off the top of my head. I think that it's slightly less formulaic than mm, some of the like, you know, some of some of the like the old Captain America ones. Like some of them are just like that. I've got no interest. Hey, again, it, it, hey, wait, no, wait, no, no, wait a minute, no, wait a minute. I'm not saying minute. it's worse. You're than picking that. it I'm from not saying, I'm not saying that it's worse than <laughs> than than any yeah. of them. I'm saying that it's less formulaic. It gives us something slightly different. Correct. Which it, it does give us something slightly different. Yeah. Which which means it has uh, slightly more value, I think, than than some of the others. Okay. Okay. It's in the well, it's, three, in, it's in the bottom. It's in the bottom sort of three at least. I don't. I don't disagree. Yeah. I don't, well. Yeah. Maybe. Um, okay. Well. Spoiler for my thoughts. Um, but I think there's there's a lot going on in this film. There's a there's a lot there's a lot going on and and I think its biggest problem is whereas you have 
20-ish movies, or like, you know, at the time it was nine, 10 movies before you get to the Avengers or or whatnot, and you've built up all these characters. There's 10 Eternals here, and there's no way that we can, in even in two hours and 30 minutes, uh, there's no way we can get to know them all satisfy in a satisfying way um and really care about them um mm. if you get what i mean yeah and i think that's a huge problem um so i i think the first and foremost the major problem is is caring about the characters um and for me because eternals are essentially the idea that they've lived for you know thousands of years or whatever um eternity it yes and it's about them changing over time and although they do a good job of illustrating that throughout the film because of they, they show us these settings and key points in human history potentially um the film is quite devoid of character and it's quite devoid of life um i found i found it to be even the the um cinematography i thought was pretty bad uh i thought it was lifeless at Do times. you think? The, I'm not sure I agree with that. I, 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 I feel it was dark and dreary. Like there was some scenes in the, like, and I'm not spoiling it, but there's scenes in like jungles yeah. and stuff where it's supposed to be vibrant, effervescent, and it was really dark and it was really dingy. And I was like, oh God. And it made me think about... Jungles are dark. Look, this isn't to say... Uh, well, yeah, they can be. But this was like supposed to be during the day. It was a really weird lighting setup. But anyway, I digress. The, the end of the day, I, I actually did enjoy the film. Um, I, I thought it, it it was slightly worse than I was expecting because I actually it? went in with quite decent expectations. Yeah, because I, I, I feel that this could have gone in a really interesting way and, and did at times. Um, but there's a couple of things that it just... It made me think, and this is just the way I was when I was watching it. It made me think of DC <laughs> uh, a couple of times in quite a funny way, and we'll get into that later. But it made me think of um, DC films because it felt like a DC film. It felt there wasn't that Marvel humor, that not good humor. That yeah, that was very uh, that's a good point. That, that is that, a good point. I didn't. I'm glad you bring that up. The the humor is like just didn't land so at all. forced but whatever and... they would tr- yeah very forced it felt like when you know dc in that regard because they try and force their humor into a dark film with dark themes and sometimes it just doesn't land um the overpowered nature of the eternals makes them extremely problematic um and it comes down to this fact that why do we like characters like iron man uh and batman because they are just human beings who, uh, at the end of the day, can affect you know the outcome of the universe, you know, and aren't we all? That's fascinating. That's yeah, that's fascinating to me. Whereas when you have these overpa- overpowered characters teeing off on each other, um, it just it comes across as a bit silly. Um, not to say that obviously characters like Thor. And, you know, Thanos, when he has the Infinity Gauntlet and stuff, aren't overpowered. Of course they are, but they are the ultimate in that, that you know, in the MCU. Or are they now? And after the Infinity War, Marvel could only go in one direction. They could only go bigger. I mean, how do you go bigger than the extinction of half of the universe? 
you know, <laughs> let's go to celestials and the creation of universes themselves. And that's interesting, I guess. And I am interested to see where that goes. I think the MCU is doing much more interesting things with Loki and his storyline. Uh, so that's where I think they should be heading. But for me, good themes here, uh, some decent performances. Didn't love the CGI. Didn't didn't love the film. I I, I have no urge to ever see this film again. Um, whereas with some Marvel films, like I know you slagged off Captain America, but if the Winter Soldier's on, I watch it every single time without see, fail. It's yeah. probably probably my favorite. Probably my second favourite Marvel film ever is The Winter Soldier. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, now I'm, I'm in no rush to see this again. Like this for me is probably in, in the bottom five of the Marvel films. Um, I think it's nowhere near as bad as Thor Dark World. I think it's better than Iron Man 3. I think, yeah, you know, those it's are good better examples. than Thank possibly, you. Ant, possibly, Ant, possibly Ant-Man, um, you know, stuff like that, which I don't really love. Uh, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp, I had no real love for um so for me yeah it's 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 a three blueberry still and and i think as a barometer to say that marvel still in their like 30th outing to have a a three blueberry film be one of their worst films is an incredible achievement um to be honest with you um because (laughs) it's mad how this is still way better than a lot of shit that DC did before DC had their sort of revival, which they're going through at the moment. Um, so, you know, it, it, don't take it for me saying that it's, it's still an okay film. This is, this is, a, this is a, better than like Justice League. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like the Schneider Cut, but other than the Schneider Cut, yes, the original Justice League, this is way better than yeah. that. <laughs> way, way better than that. So that's my sort of barometer and I hope that gives you guys our thoughts on it as a general sort of a point of reference um do I think you need to see this film I would say if you are a Marvel fan and you care about the sort of direction that Marvel is going in and the lore and the history I would say you definitely need to go see this film just to have a better understanding of where they're going uh potentially and uh, but if you are just a casual Marvel fan and you're like, oh, should I should I go see Eternals? Don't worry about it. Honestly, I would say don't worry about it. I'd say just have a little break from Marvel for a bit. You know, we've got some absolute bangers coming up soon, hopefully, with uh, Spider-Man No Way Home and uh, Thor Love and Thunder. And I think both of those films uh, are going to be fantastic. I think they're going to be amazing films, honestly. So just wait for them, to be honest with you. But if you're a hardcore fan... Check out Eternals for sure, because I think the direction of the MCU is, is clearly going in a very, very um, huge direction in terms of uh, scale. Here's, and, well, um, here's a little thought, right? little question. You are saying, <clears throat> you know, after all the events of Thanos, how can they, where can they go? Like, how can they possibly get bigger? Well, did, did they have to? Do mm. they have to get bigger? Or no. can you now, like, maybe um, come back and maybe turn it into... Have a look at like way more localized stories. Like, are there things yeah. that can happen on a really small, um, personal or like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, just a, a local scale? Yeah. Like that could happen. That could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, look, we we'll get into it later about a, an argument of should Marvel have have put a full stop on everything and just stopped after Endgame because that would have been a fantastic uh, exclamation point to everything they've done. 
um, and then done a Star Wars and brought it back in, say, 10, 15, 20 years' correct. time. That's the correct Very option. interesting. <laughs> but yeah, we could talk about it later. Um, before we jump into spoilers, just a quick thing to say. Thank you to everyone uh, for your incredible incredible support over the last few months while we've uh, been coming out of COVID. Uh, our original content has gone down very well, so I'm glad that everyone is liking that. Um, we will be doing more reviews like this. We did a June review last week um, with John and Emma. We've done our Eternals review now. There's obviously more and more Marvel films coming out and, and other things that we want to we want to focus on and review as well as some TV shows next year. So thank you for all your support. If you do want to support us further and help us financially, you can go to patreon.com forward slash fancritical. Uh, all of that money that we've received is going towards things like hosting costs, equipment, um, coming up with new ideas, uh, you know, enabling us to create new shows, um, which is, you know, this is, as I've said many times, this isn't our day job. Um, we have a other things as well on top of this so any sort of financial help is 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 massively influential to the growth of this podcast and we want to thank all of our patreons uh, for their continued support and uh yeah anything to add on that gareth well just we've yes. got we've got we've got babies now that you know we need to keep them in nappies we do so if you can pay for yeah no nappies i yeah i will say now no patreon money goes towards nappies no, no, I that guarantee is disclaimer it, okay yeah. That disclaimer, that's false Some, information. Some, only yeah, a small news. amount goes on nappies. Fake news, fake news, not false news, fake news. Uh, so yes, thank you to all our Patreons. That's patreon.com forward slash fancritical. Um, and please do spread the word of fancritical, subscribe, share. Um, if you think any of your friends are like-minded and might enjoy the podcast, do, do you know, pass it on. Oh, I've know, got a these. little request as well. Get passed on. Um, if Go we on. have any creative listeners, which I'm sure we do, I'm sure we've got some very creative, very creative. listeners. Our, our listeners are very creative. Don't ever say that. Send us okay. some some original content. You know, send us some artwork or some like some some <laughs> oh, Jesus. Like, send us things that. Not asking for much. Send us a Picasso. Well, <laughs> send us a. Fucking I'm presuming that the Picasso is not listening. I'm saying original stuff. You know, yeah. Don't copy. Don't copy. Uh, yes, that's a bizarre request, but it, yeah, any art, you, you know. It could be from when you're in kindergarten or um, I want to send hear it, send it from away. listeners. That's what I want. Oh, he just wants to hear from you. You don't need to send an art. Just just send us some thoughts. Uh, Twitter. Poetry. You can get us at fan underscore critical. You can email us at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com. Anyway, enough of this nonsense. Let's talk spoilers for Marvel's Eternals. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to get into uh, I think, first of all, let's set up the general... We're not going through the plot. We're talking about just points during the film. Uh, let's set up the general sort of mythology that goes on in this film. Okay, so Eternals are, crea- are created by Celestials. All right. Uh, Celestials... So Celestials create universes. And to do so, they have to birth... Cele- you know, they have to be born. Celestials are born like anything else. And to do that, Arisham, the sort of seems to be the leader of the Celestials, plants little seeds within planet's cores. He then creates the Eternals, who are these super-powered, supercharged beings that have to go to these planets to enable life, as in sentient life, to flourish because the, the seed within the planet uh, sucks in all of that life 
as in it, it just feeds off of life being on planet sentient life and then when the time is right the emergence happens and the planet is destroyed killing all sentient life on that planet and a titan uh, a titan a celestial is born uh, which then uh, leads to the creation of galaxies which then leads to the creation of more planets which then can be seeded etc etc that is the sort of general um marvel mythology that they've gone with now this is interesting to me because it's big it's huge celestials are quite cool in their um design i i love the idea of uh, celestials and, and um celestials we've actually come across them before in guardians of the galaxy because the 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 city or the sort of refuge of loads of criminals is called nowhere right and that actually resides within the the sort of remains of a celestial which is a really cool saying do you remember I that do. Gareth? nowhere that's, the really cool yeah, that's, that's really cool place yeah yeah so we have this idea of celestials we also know that celestials you know can wield infinity stones we've seen this in flashbacks blah 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 so we've known about the celestials for a while but we get to see them here. Uh, mainly we get to see Arisham, who is the, as I said, the, the king celestial. And he converses with Ajak and then Cersei, who becomes the leader of the Eternals. Right, Gareth. That's a general sort of big scope of what's going on here. And then obviously the Eternals, uh, you know, the idea of them is that uh, they've actually been doing this for millions of years. They've been going to other planets, getting to the emergence over thousands of years, um, destroying civilizations, worlds, then they get their memories wiped and they do it all again, living this kind of terrible cycle. It's quite just horrible to think about of ending billions of well, lives constantly throughout their lifetime. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the purpose of the Eternals is that they need to they need to protect like humanity or whatever sentient life is existing on the planet yep. that they're on um, a mission yep. to. They need to. Yep. They need to protect them from the deviants, so that they can. Uh, yes, deviants. There can be enough of them for the. Um, what's the big one called again? Tiamat, or something. Yeah, like the that. big. So that big, big or boy Tiamat, the, the yeah. celestial. Yeah, Tiamat's in um, Yeah. So that they can they can feed enough off the intelligence of sentient beings, because the <laughs> yeah deviants. Would kill eating, the, too many eating too many humans, but the deviants <laughs> yeah. were also sent by by the by the celestials. By the celestials. Yes. Why? <laughs> Why did that happen? So, so people who have seen the film will understand this, right? So, celestials before they created Eternals sent deviants to kill like dinosaurs or apex That's right, predators yes. that would that would stop intelligent life. However. The deviants became sort of more aware, they evolved, and then they started hunting the humans, which is why the Eternals were needed to go and kill the deviants to allow life to flourish. Yes. Now, there's a couple of massive flaws in this, right? Number one, um, the Eternals are told to not get involved in any human conflict. So when humans like you see it throughout the film in the in the flashbacks when the eternals are just watching war between the humans take place they're like no we're not allowed to get involved unless deviants are involved right because it, for some reason the the celestials think that uh if 
humans have war they'll have they'll breed more so they can make armies and and stuff like that so they will well, be more humans in the future now surely that's a load of bollocks and just you just ki- like like think about things like the holocaust 6 million people killed think about things like hiroshima which is in this film you know 100,000 people killed um there is an argument in like uh, history yes. acade- academia that says you know the, the yes. greatest advancements uh, is civilization yes. comes because, because of war, of war. so i, I guess again down that, that route yeah. um yes. but yeah there are and like, that's true. events events that do their their purpose that uh, do their mission no serve their mission no purpose that they could stop and they decide nah they're not Hmm. No, it is true. I, I'm a, and this sounds grim, and it is horrible that humans are the product of war. We essentially have only furthered ourselves through fighting, conflict. Whether it's things dating back to you know all of the wars that I'm have glad happened, that we're doing things like the space. Frank Critical ra- does TED yeah, talks. <laughs> yeah, or even things like the space race, which obviously then enabled things like smartphones, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, because the technology, you know, the the, the competition between warring factions of humanity has brought us to where we are today it's a very depressing way to look at life but it's true people that is a fact so i understand the route that they're going down i just don't understand how if everything was living in peaceful harmony maybe and just you know cave people were kind of sentient enough for fucking tiamat probably you know just you know what i mean (laughs) let them all breed And burst out. You'd have, done, you'd have been there 5,000 no, years sooner, mate. Problem what is, the fuck you did? Uh, nah, 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 nah. Because, you know, nah. Because they didn't have... Well, no, because they... Yeah, sure, they would have had lots of babies, but too many of them would have died. And that's what happened. Maybe. Death rate and maybe, birth rate, maybe. they they were cancelling each other out for thousands of years, mate. It, it's only... It's only recently, and this is this is what the film says, we've only just... They've just got to the right amount of people now. Um, and yeah, it's true. you know, it's at this point that Tiamat can be birthed by Earth, and that's why they call it Earth. Birth, yeah, very true. Um, all right, let's get into some of the the characters because I think I think there's some standout performances here. Um, I really like Gilgamesh, and I think the best relationship in the film is Gilgamesh and Thena's relationship. Um, I think that is far stronger than the main romantic storyline, which is a kind of central to the whole plot, uh, which is that of Icarus and Circe. Do you agree, Gareth? Um, it's quite understated the old Gilgamesh Thena. Yeah, um, I don't. It's not, and it's not romantic. I'm not saying that this is a romantic relationship. I'm just saying the relationship. Yeah. I think there is nothing romantic in their relationship. No. Okay, I think that Gilgamesh literally is a, is a, and it's it's a beautiful depiction of a support person within a film that I don't think we've got in this context before in a superhero film. So he is literally. I mean, Thena is suffering from essentially like a form of eternal Alzheimer's called Mad Weary, which is where she is actually remembering because their memories are wiped after every cycle, so that they don't feel guilt for what they've done essentially she is remembering all of these planets and civilizations that she has destroyed so she goes crazy when she goes into this sort of you know it's a lot to remember berserk 
there are some memories you want to let go of, aren't there? Like, and Gilg- Gilgamesh offers to stay with her and try and bring her back to the present um, if they don't wipe her memory again. So, um, so, so the only thing I'd say, the only thing I'd stuff. say is you're right. Like from mm. that point, it's, it's that's that's lovely. That is a lovely uh, relationship. And one thing that I really like about it is, as you say, it's not a romantic one. Not every not every relationship that's tender and loving has to has mm-hmm. to be romantic and movies don't do enough of that only thing i'd say is the point when gilgamesh goes i'll stay with thena i was like what's going on here then why who who are these two to each other there, there is no build-up there's no build-up to that yeah they just I, I i agree i agree it comes out of nowhere but i think that's hurt by the fact there's 10 characters like we've said and you you, you can't necessarily you know have the time to do these things now you said when you saw jolie in the first scene mm. of the movie <laughs> that's angelina, angelina jolie. Not, Sorry. not some guy called joe yeah. lee um <laughs> joe lee yeah 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 um you you said ah, oh, i'm you literally turned to me in the film and said oh, i'm gonna be really annoyed by her in this film and i i was actually pleasantly surprised by the end of it how wrong i think you felt even to yourself you were uh, because her role is quite understated and reserved. It is. Really. It is. The, the, uh, let me defend myself slightly, though. First time that you see her, she does like her character does some cool oh, thing yeah. with a spear or whatever, and her <laughs> like yeah. the face that she pulls is just so smug and distracting. And yeah, it is. I was like, what? What are you doing in this? And I mean, I still sort of feel like it's a really strange bit of casting. Um, but mm. yes, she was fun and played played the character like yeah well I, I guess she did um yeah but i, I just don't and know, you know where you've seen Gil- gilgamesh before gaff yeah go on he's the um he's the big guy in train to busan oh very cool helps yeah nice amazing amazing actor and he i, I thought he was brilliant in this film yeah he's, I, he's I thought sweet. he was he's got very kind eyes doesn't yeah he? and this film you know spoiler warning when he dies it becomes a worse film in my mm. opinion, um, because the characters, it's quite difficult to, to to get a sense of them. I actually really like Cersei. I, I think she does a good job. Um, I think... She's a bit tepid. You know, Rob, she's a bit tepid. But I think Rob, Rob Stark <laughs> and Cersei being together, Icarus is played by uh, Richard Madden, who is Rob Stark. And he's with a character called Cersei. I mean, the Game of Thrones thing was inescapable there. I was like, are you serious? Well, are you serious and, that Rob Stark Snow is with Cersei? with Cersei? This is ludicrous. <laughs> and Jon Snow was with Cersei. I didn't even think yeah. of that. So what's going on here? I, oh, my God. I thought um, there, was, there was a moment, right, fairly early in the film, where Jon Snow and Rob Stark come face to face. I thought they were going to throw in a cheeky Game of Thrones reference. I, I honestly thought oh, they were going to... I don't know what they were going to say. I just, we better get inside. Winter is coming. I would have loved it. I would have lost my shit. It's the reunion everyone wants yeah. and never got. Yeah. Like the moment that, you know, John and Rob say bye to each other in episode like two of Game of Thrones. No, season it's not one. that early. They never... It is, That's mate. Insane, they never see each it? other again. That's fucked. That's not so. Right. It's the reunion that everyone wanted, but no one ever got. You know, um, you know, both King of the North. So, just saying. Anyway, um, it's uh, yeah. So that was crazy. I mean, the other Eternals. You know, 
the the I think Kingo, and we're going to talk about Kingo yeah. now because it's just some fucking. This is bizarre, yeah. but um, Kingo at least tries to uh, bring some more soul and character to to the Eternals. Yeah, um, I mean, he's supposed to be the comic relief, but again, it's just a bit yeah. of a weird thing in that he becomes comic relief. <laughs> After like from the halfway point, there's no sign of him being the the comedy character. Nothing, like he's just a regular, like cool Eternal doing his little fireball thing. And then suddenly it's like he's been re reassigned. It's like okay, you are now you're you're not going to be an Eternal. You are going to be the comedy character. And I mean, what he does at the end is absolutely baffling. Uh, should we just should we talk about it now or do you want to get to it later uh i just want to talk about we will talk about it i just want to talk about how i think this is where they've tried to shoehorn in with king with kingo and his valet i think they've tried to shoehorn in that marvel humor and it's it feels really flat to me it feels like i've seen this in every marvel film uh where there's like a hero and then they're human bumbly sidekick whether it's spider-man um you know the latest spider-man whether it's you know spider-man the spider-man uh whether it's you know any of the marvel films where they have this sort of dynamic i think it's been there i think i've seen it a million times i'm so bored of it that it's unreal so when they kept like making jokes about him filming all the time and how many cameras do you have i was like i can't i can't I just can't but, even laugh. But also, at this. and I will, I will. Yeah, yeah, go on. The fact that, like, at the end of the day, Kingo's standing there, going, well, "Look, we need, we need the world to be destroyed and all humans to be killed," and his little assistant, who is a human who will be killed in this with this yeah. decision, yeah. is just like following him along. Like, yes, I agree. Like, what's what's happening here? He was, but King. Kingo's kind of on the fence with the whole situation, oh, which is bizarre to me. Anyway, not he just he, yeah, he's it, like I'm not gonna it, I'm not gonna hurt anyone to do it, but I want I think the world should end. Yeah. Anyway, so yes, okay. So the Kingo situation is baffling because when it comes down to the final battle, like essentially where the whole moral of the story comes down to Voltron, and they have to all join powers <laughs> to uh, stop yeah. s- save the Earth. Right, um, Kingo in a conversation before this battle kicks off, which is an imminent, you know, epic showdown, says, "Ah, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what I want. Don't know if I agree with it. I'm not going to hurt anyone. I'll see you later." And just exit stage right, literally, and walks off this island that's like in the middle of the Pacific it's or something. Mental, and he's just he's gone. Where where is he gone? He's got no sort of travel powers he's he's catching the it's bus it's baffling it's it's literally the most baffling thing i've seen in a marvel film for a right. very long time i've been thinking about this um now, i've been thinking about this it could be covid it could be covid yeah. gareth i'm thinking i've been thinking about it yeah. as well it could be covid or something he, he wasn't able to do the shoots um they had to sort of i don't know think of a way around it but whichever way you look at it they should have just fucking sorted it out because it is terrible yeah. so it's terrible the, the, just like just so that we're being perfectly clear, just in case anybody didn't notice this, it is 
that all of <laughs> if you didn't all notice. of the Eternals are there. They're on an island, and a volcano like there's a volcano erupting because we've got this giant cent- celestial, celestial being born. Being born. Yeah. And they're all about to have the final showdown, and he says, "Good luck, everyone. I'll see you, see us all later." Yeah, and, and leaves yeah. leaves the building, <laughs> the the ship walks out. There is nowhere. There is literally nowhere for him to go. Yeah, there. Where is he going? Then the whole final sequence happens. He's not in it, and then the post-final sequence happens, and he's back again, like a re- like no, reflecting the funniest on thing, though, how it the, went. Oh my god, <laughs> the funniest thing is when Cersei. Ah, so big final battle happens, and you know Cersei turns uh, Tiamat to basically steal or ice or something, and and kills him essentially uh with the power of the other uh, eternals and we'll get on to icarus in a minute and how he's a dick in this film um but uh, and then he's she's talking to kingo in like some sort of english village possibly camden i, I think, think it was, was and uh yeah it's camden i think in london north london and uh she turns to him and goes did we do the right thing he goes you followed your heart we all did <laughs> I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about, mate? You've just, you just—you weren't just even there, him, bro. You weren't even but there. It's absolutely the baffling. only explanation is that for some reason he couldn't be there to film. Like that's that—that's that, the only possible explanation. It's just nonsense. It's fucking otherwise. crazy. It's honestly crazy. I cannot believe they even kept that line in. No, just cut that scene. Just cut that fucking scene at the end because it makes it, you know." There's a moment where you're like, is he coming back throughout the whole final sequence? He just never turns like, up. That is absolutely that's mental. the thing that happens. I've had a change of heart. I'm here to help exactly. now. When it, no, when all, that's what you want to happen. When it all seems like all is lost and they're, they're about to lose this battle. Boom! Yeah. Out comes a fireball yeah. from Kingo. Who's that? Oh, it's Kingo. Yeah. And his, his mate's filming it as well. <laughs> Brilliant. Yay. Standing up. Apl- no. No. He's just not there. It's fucking bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Um, bizarre. Uh, let's talk about Icarus because he is the big deceit in the film. I think it was pretty obvious from the get-go. He he is uh, the Superman-like character of the group. He is so fucking Superman in Man of Steel, uh, like Zack Schneider's um, vision of, of Superman, that I, I just couldn't unsee it for the whole film. Yeah. The film is so self-aware of this, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. That it actually, and this is baffling, and this is the first time this has ever happened in a Marvel universe. They reference—I turned to you when it's happened in the film. They reference DC in the Marvel universe, meaning that DC is fiction within the Marvel universe, right? The little kid who is Fastos's son says, "Hey, it's Superman. I saw you shooting laser beams out of your eyes in London, and you were flying. It's Superman, Dad, or whatever." And I'm just like. Are you fucking? Are you for real? You've just mentioned DC in uh, in the Marvel universe, and then next another scene. Uh, I think it's Gilgamesh says uh, to the valet, who is uh, you know Kingo's valet, says, "Oh, so you're like Alfred?" Yeah, that's I was true. Like, what yeah. the fuck is going on? Bizarre. I was like, "What the fuck is going on here? What is going on in this film?" They are referencing DC. Like it is fiction. Well, maybe maybe and, the colour palette being more DC was deliberate then. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely... I I mean, I, want, I would love to know what listeners think about this. It's the most bizarre thing, 
as send well. Send us in your artwork that represents what you think about this. Um, <laughs> send us in your artwork of what you think Superman <laughs> looks like in the MCU. <laughs> um, is that, it is weird, so, isn't it? But think about this, right? They've got actual superheroes that they can write stories and comics yes. about. They see things like Thor and they're like, let's make another one called Superman and make a comic of it. What? What the fuck is going on in this That's universe? It's bizarre, isn't it? It is mental. Um, it is absolutely mental. So, look, just with um, while we're on Icarus. Um, yeah. It, yeah. So, the whole thing with him is that he wants... He wants humanity to be destroyed. He wants the he wants the celestial to be born. Mm. Um, not because he hates humanity. I, I, I don't or anything, think he wants. It, but but yeah, he correct. he thinks yes. that that's the that's the natural order. Like that's what should happen. Um, and so he he's aware that that's what's that that's what's happening. Whereas the rest of the Eternals don't really know. They're they're sort of just finding out now that that's what they've been heading towards. So he tries to defend the. The original vision of what should happen. Um, now, what is what's baffling about this is after Ajax dies and she's killed by by Icarus, essentially. Um, yeah, yeah. After she dies, she gets to choose her successor, and so Cersei becomes the successor. And yet, the rest of the uh, the Eternals aren't aren't convinced by her leadership prowess. So they're still sort of going. They're like, Icarus, what should we do? And what baffles me is that he's like, it's not up to me. It's, you know, the, Cersei's in charge. He's just trying to hoodwink them, but, I think. But he's, the, he's, there's he's, no he's, need. They're at the yeah. point. They're at the point where he could just say, look, this is the orig- This is what we've been brought here to do. This is what we should do. And they'll go, yeah, all right, fine, let's do it. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. We've got to do it. And sure, a couple of them will be upset, but... He could have just he could have just got most of them over the line that way. Instead, he decides that he's got to go this backwards route, where he lets Cersei persuade them not to do this thing, and then he has to try and kill them all. It doesn't make any sense, mate. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah. Okay. I do agree. This it's kind of stupid, but I think this brings up an interesting point about what this film is actually about, and it's about faith. I thought it was about climate change, sort of religion, <laughs> and climate change. <laughs> Um, it's kind of about faith. It's it's kind of like, you know, you've got different degrees of, of faith and, and it's about uh how how much do, do do you devote yourself to your to what you believe or who you believe to be your God or your purpose or you know, Arisham is this, you know, obviously huge uh deity like figure who commands the eternals to essentially um you know, do his bidding and and do these things, following orders, right? And it's about how much do you interpret text as, um, or interpret orders as 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 verbatim. You know, Icarus is a zealot. Um, he is a full believer in Arisham and and his purpose. But you see, Ajak over millions of years has begun to question her religion, question her sort of faith. And it comes to a point where she takes that upon her herself and, and has tried to foster this family to then also question, you know, go out into the world, live your lives, you know, see what, what you know, you are not just this one thing. You can do many other things. That is inter- That is fascinating, right? So because you, you've got it on two levels. You've got Arisham 
dictating his faith to the Eternals. But then you've also got the Eternals watching humans, all right, and seeing them as gods, right, and doing their own thing. And it's fascinating on so many levels because it's this idea that the Eternals are no better than the humans, mm. right? Because they're just following orders. So in terms of Marvel and in terms of like what, what it's trying to say, um, not only about what it's trying to say about, you know, technology breeds, um, it, you know, the advancement of civilization uh, through war, you know, uh, and stuff like that, which is, I think, what it's trying to say. It's also trying to, you know, give us these multi multifaceted layers of faith, devotion, um, people being zealots, uh, you know, you know, crisis of conscience, questioning your existence. These are all very interesting themes. Too much, I though, think isn't it? the just, problem is... <laughs> Just you know, it's a lot. give me some, it's a lot. give me some Star Lord just <laughs> shooting stuff because it's ugly. Yeah, yeah that's fun. Quips. Yeah, we're, we're, give me more quips, of that, please. And yeah, yeah, no, but so I, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in here, and I think the character of Icarus is fascinating because he 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 does have a moment of of that Star Wars like Kylo Ren moment where he's like done something really bad, <laughs> like killed, <laughs> you know, and then and then and then sort of goes, oh, what have I done? Oh, no. And then, oh, no. you know, but he's it's too late. He's gone too far. Wow. He's um, gone too close to the sun. We can talk about the way. He, yes, yes, yes. That was, and we've overlooked, you, you said it to me and I said, yeah. and I was thinking, nah, they're not going to do that. <laughs> like they, They're not going to actually have Icarus fly into the sun um when he started doing his full man of steel you know leaving earth thing i was like he's just gonna he's gonna stay in the mcu he's gonna go and sort of find himself now you know what i mean in the universe which i thought was quite an interesting concept but icarus could return a different person an avenger he even jokes about being the leader of the avengers i'm not saying he would be that but he could you know he could do that um but he literally flies into the sun yeah what the fuck? I've also I've got to say, uh, does that kill? Does that kill him? Does that kill him? Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe know. he's blown it up. Um, yeah, imagine that <laughs> destroys the sun, wipes out all life on the solar yeah. system. Brilliant. But he says sorry afterwards, so it's fine. Um, it's also funny yeah. how like after after it's been revealed that he's the bad the bad guy in inverted commas, um, yeah. how like the rest of the Eternals have all been harboring this secret hatred secret hatred of him, like. Thena's like, I've always wanted to fight you, and uh, no, I like that because she's a warrior. She's a warrior queen. I, I like the fact that she wants to then, test herself against the best. I like Fastus that. is like, I've always wanted to clip your wings. It's like, okay, what, <laughs> why? Like <laughs> that is you, you were like best. Mates. I've always wanted to clip your wings. <laughs> this is nonsense. The only one that sort of made sense and had been seeded throughout was was Druig. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and Druig's a fascinating character, and I, I, I don't want to leave this podcast without talking about Druig and uh, Makari because, um, you know, I, I think the Druig characters there's lots of problems with it: uh, mind control, fascism, just sort of this idea of taking away free will. Interesting concept again, couldn't be explored in two and a half hours for sure. Um, but I really liked his relationship with Makari, and fuck me, Makari is underused in this yeah. film. She is wicked, and she's in. Um, She's in The Walking Dead and she plays a, 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 one of the best characters in The Walking Dead. Uh, comes into it quite late, like season eight or nine. I can't remember. Maybe season eight. And uh, I'm so happy for Lauren uh, Ridloff. She, she's a great actress. And Makari, um, brilliant, brilliant member of the Eternals. I was so annoyed that we didn't get to see her properly again until the, fi- the sort of final act. Um, 
where she's in the domo the ship and she's just reading and that um i thought yeah i i thought her I think the film has terrible CGI. I I think the film doesn't look great. Do you know that this film cost $200 million? Oh, my God. Yeah, right? It's absolutely insane. Um, it's staggering how much it cost. Um, I Most think of that went on the, uh, benefit- the volcano, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, Still erupting. But I think, her, I think her powers look really good. And I, I was literally watching her super speed and the stuff in this film, and I was like, this looks better than Quicksilver. It looks better than uh, some of the uh, um, X-Men um, Quicksilver stuff. Like, I was like, this is good. Better than The Flash, for sure. For sure better than The Flash. Um, so I, I think she was criminally underused in this film. And I, I can't wait to see more of her. I think she's a great character. And she has a bit more of that character. Even though she she speaks in sign language, Um throughout the film she also does that in the walking dead by the way uh uh so is she is she actually deaf the actor i think so yes um i think so yes hence why she does the um sign language but she she is so charismatic and and her relationship with druig is very interesting but once again completely there's even a line in the film like is this a thing now from the internals <laughs> yeah, yeah. saying that to them yeah i'm like See, yeah, but is this actually, actually, okay. see, that one I didn't mind because it's sort of like you can see that they're hanging out a bit early on and it's not, but it's just not made explicit that they're sort of romantically involved or interested. It's just like, oh yeah, these two, these two are hanging out. Like the the difference with that is that with Gilgamesh and Thena, I didn't even see the two of them together until he was like, I shall stay to protect her. Like, where's yeah. that come from yeah but yeah um I, I, although although it's the best relationship in the film yeah, yeah. well yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love it i love i absolutely i thought it was very touching gilgamesh and, and thena really really was the heart of the movie at times for me i was like oh, this is, i actually really like this um let's talk about a couple of things and then we'll move on to the post-credit scenes um so uh bizarre ending to the film where it's like this lull everything's okay uh they've stop stop the emergence um icarus is flown into the sun and killed himself uh for some bizarre reason uh sprite is now human and is you know not being I mean, a dickhead again again um, just very convenient oh i think i have some more power left that i can make you human if you want right why is that i literally was like my head was going deus ex machina deus ex machina because all all the time this film um but you, they're on Primrose Hill, so you've got uh, Jon Snow, who is uh, Dana, uh, Dane Whitman. Well, or Kit Harrington is, is, <laughs> is Dane Whitman. Kit Harrington in this film plays Jon Snow, uh, who is playing is like, uh, play, he, <laughs> Dane. He literally is in two scenes. Oh, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. It's, they're on Primrose Hill in Camden, chilling yeah. out, and then Arisham turns up. Uh, and it's quite a cool visual. Amazing visual. Amazing! I love stuff being in space, but like visible from Earth. It's yes, yes, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it looks great. I was like, oh my god! It kind of also reminded me of "Show Me What You Got" (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Rick and Morty. Oh my god! uh, Imagine floating head, the Cromplemites, whatever they're called. I want to see what what you got. (laughs) I was like, get Swifty is about to play. Um, no, uh, so Arishman turns up, he takes Cersei, Kingo, 
who else was it who didn't leave on the domo? I can't remember. About three of them, and says, "You have killed. A, you've killed a celestial to save these people. I will let them live if I scan your memories uh, and see that they're worth saving. I'll come back for judgment." And then he just takes them, and that's the end of the film. And uh, it's so clearly they're thinking bigger scale here. They're thinking Eternals two. Um, but which I didn't think was going to happen. Don't, uh, don't worry. Is, don't worry about that because John Snow's just found a sword handed down. <laughs> yeah, we'll so get into that. He'll we'll kill him. We'll get, we'll get into that, yeah. So the, the, the film's got a bizarre ending. I, I also just want to say uh, that there is a scene with, uh, and it's funny, so let's talk about it. Um, but... There's a scene where before this happens, they're all chilling out in some sort in Ajax's house in South Dakota, and Angelia Jolie is putting her hand into a toaster. What the fuck is going on there, guys? I don't know. What the fuck is going on? I'm baffled. Is it? <laughs> There's a scene where the kid is trying to get an orange, and Angelia Jolie just stood there putting her hand into a toaster, and she says, "And I and get confused. I is, get confused." Is this is this like a haunting like, okay. portrayal of you know like mental? degradation yeah but, but, i understand but that's like, that but it's like ridiculous and it feels like it's it's played for laughs but it's not funny yeah it play it feels like it's played it feels completely inappropriate like i don't know something about it's bizarre anyway enough of the toast shit um i want to ask you a question about uh before we move on to the post-credit scenes which is uh Guess who did the score of this film? Um, do you remember no, this? No, do you remember I'm going to say this. I, like, I'm just trying to think what it sounded like. I can't. I can't remember any of the music. Are you going to blow my mind and tell me it was Hans Zimmer or something? And no, just imagine if it was Hans Zimmer. It's, all, it's one of the. It's one of the best composers of the moment. Uh, it's, it's Raymond Dewadi. What? Right. But hold on. Hold on. Actually, actually, I'm just thinking. I could, I, I, now that you say that, I'm just thinking about some of the scenes in like Babylon that remind yeah, me really? of, of the, the, the thrashing yeah, or something. Yeah, it did. It did. Um, but okay, massively right. underused. I can't remember anything. I can't remember anything of this score. Uh, uh, and I, I Googled it afterwards because Marvel music's usually quite stirring. And at least in the action sequences, is quite like, mental and you're like okay this is cool um and and this was so devoid of any character or emotion or theme like and, and we love our soundtracks here at fan critical <laughs> and just personally i love and you know you like the scores yeah. and stuff um it was fucking raymond duardi i couldn't believe it i was like oh my god he is cat uh, he is cashed in he probably got paid like a couple million dollars for this score and he did fuck all with it like honestly i could have done the score for this film from what i heard it was it was so not memorable. I, I, it's crazy to think that he did it. Anyway, played a couple of. I thought that had interest. Played a couple you. of uh, CDs that he'd ripped from LimeWire. There you go. Use that. Yeah. There you go. Use that. Thanks, few million, please. Anyway, let's talk about these post-credit scenes because a couple of things. So, post-credit scene number one takes place in um, the Domo on the Domo ship as the uh, as Makari, Thena, and. Druig are looking for more Eternals to sort of enlighten and tell them about that their purpose is, you know, a lie. It's not to further sentient life for the goodness of it. It's to feed a giant celestial and then kill them all. Um, yeah. 
So they're doing that. And then, I couldn't believe this. Harry Styles appears on the ship. What the fuck is going on here? What is going on here? Harry Styles, of One Direction fame, also very good in Dunkirk, I'll say, uh, turns up and he's playing Thanos' brother, Eros, right? Uh, it's followed by a little there's, elf there's fella. Not- a lot of family resemblance. <laughs> what is going on? Not, they don't they don't look like they're cut from the same cloth, <clears throat> do they? Well, this is interesting. So in the comics, um they don't he doesn't actually say here that he's Thanos' brother. He says he's defeated Thanos. And what's interesting is in the comics they are brothers because no. Thanos is an his eternal. little elf fella, his little dwarf mate says the brother of Thanos. Does he say Yeah, it? yeah. Okay. Well, what's interesting is in the comics Thanos is actually an Eternal. Um, he is a sort of genetically flawed Eternal, which is why he's purple and he's so strong. Okay, <laughs> That's why he's purple. Um, and, Oops, got that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. But in the, in the film, it's weird because Eternals in the comics are actual biological beings, whereas they're robots, it seems, in this yeah. version of Eternals, right? Yeah. Right. Synthetic. Yeah. So, right, okay. Now... Harry Styles, who plays Eros, uh, is is actually an Eternal. Harry Styles so he is a robot. As is far actually as we... an Eternal, or Eros is actually an Eternal. <laughs> Eros is actually Eternal. But what's also interesting is, um, and you'll like this. What do you think Eros's like superhero name is? You'll love it. Um, hold on. I think they said it. Isn't isn't his superhero name Star Fox? Yeah, it's Star that Fox, is, which is obviously crazy. Uh, like, <laughs> I yeah, I was pretty sure that they weren't doing was. like a Nintendo, <laughs> Nintendo Marvel crossover here. Um, yeah, where the fuck Sam Slippy? <laughs> he was gonna he introduced him. I'll fucking shut up, Slippy twat. Good. Um, yeah, Star Fox. That is that is the coolest name. I, I've got to say, some of the names, some of the names are pretty cool. I think King, I, I th- not Kingo. Kingo's a rubbish name. It sounds like a Pokemon. Um, <laughs> it does. But but Icarus is obvi- that's a cool name. Yeah, very cool name. Um, but yeah, so so Harry Styles is in the MCU. He's playing Thanos' brother in inverted commas. I don't know if they're going to track that way necessarily, literal brother or some sort of half brother. I don't know. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't know how they're going to yeah, go. With that. Adopted brother. Um, it's interesting. He's turned up. He His powers, he's obviously an Eternal, so he's got super strength, super longevity, blah, 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 blah. But his main power is like seduction and, and, and sort of, he's completely a womanizer in the comics. Like uh, he's a fucking, he just sleeps with loads of what, women. What, Harry Styles? Uh, is from, <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe that's why they cast him. Fuck knows. But gen- genuinely, his power is like womanizing. euphoria. He like, no, essentially womanizing he gives people the feeling of euphoria like love uh, it's weird what? anyway that's his sort of pa- yeah it's like mind it's like a form of druig's mind control you know anyway that is genuinely his power be interested to see how he fits into the mcu obviously he has a, a way of finding arisham because he has that sphere so it's going to be a massive part of eternals 2 is is freeing uh the others from arisham's control which we, which which could be interesting, uh, and you know having Harry Styles in the MCU, I genuinely did not know that was going to happen. No. Um, I had I had heard nothing. I tell you what, the um, uh, casting the eighteen year old girl so sitting behind us in the cinema 
we're delighted to see Harry Styles appear. They bloody were. And I tell you something now, that's a fucking smart move from Marvel. Like, say say what you want. They're a money printing machine. Hey, how can we get even more money? Let's put fucking one of the biggest heartthrobs on the planet in our films. Uh, they'll you get BTS I mean? involved in the next one. Mate, BTS were involved in this one. They had some music in this film and they even had a mention, which was interesting. And what I will say is, um, you know, to have Harry Styles, who say what you want about him. He's not a bad actor. Like uh, in Dunkirk, I thought he was very good. And yeah, I, I right. think yeah. he's a very talented young man. Um, so and a Marvel role could be perfect for him because he's got that sort of charm and charisma already, you know. So, uh, you know, let's see how he he does. Um, obviously, I think the womanizing thing is going to have to be toned down because uh, we don't live in the, the 50s and the 60s when <laughs> his character was written in the comics. You know, that was, you know, it, it's a very controversial character now looking back at some of the stuff um, researching this podcast. Anyway, looking back at some of the stuff that he did and some of the comics is interesting, you know, very controversial. Sounds like so. James Bond, <clears throat> to be and honest, and he's still still kicking. In a way, he is still kicking around, uh, sort of. Uh, the second post-credit scenes that you alluded to was that of uh, Jon Snow, uh, Dane Whitman, or Kit Harrington is the actor, um, in London, and he alluded to a complicated family history before Cersei was grabbed you know, by Arishan. Just quickly, right? remember that? Kit Harrington has got a very interesting family history. He's like basically royalty. Did you know that? Like that's very yeah, interesting. Check no, it out. He's like a he's like a, a lord um, through birth. It's mad. There you go. He's king of the north. Um, so he, he's there with this sword. You know, it's got an ominous start looking sword. He was trying to tell Cersei about it before she got got grabbed. Um, he's hesitant to pick it up because there's a plaque on it which says "Death is my reward." Mm. Okay, you would hesitate, um, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd take a moment. He goes, he's like, oh, right, well, I've got to do something now because that thing bigger than the sun just appeared. So <laughs> I, I, this sword will so, save save the day. Um, he's about to grab it and he hears the voice, sure you're ready for that, Mr. Whitman. Now, I turned to you in the cinema and was like, I think that's the Watcher, which is, you know, a very famous character from What If, uh, basically this om- om- omniscient being that sort of oversees all of the multiverse. Um but it was actually uh, similar voice. It was actually um, Maharasha Ali. Now Maharasha Ali is Blade. He is the new Blade. Um, he is. He's been cast as Blade for the last few years. The film is almost finished production, I believe. Uh, so Blade, get this right. You know, Blade Wesley Snipes is Blade. You know, yeah. great film. Blade the the first I get one. It. The new Blade, Maharasha Ali is talking to. To date, Dane Whitman here, who is John saying, Snow, sure you're ready for who, who has a John- blade <laughs> in a box. Who, yeah, who has long claw? I mean, who has? Uh, <laughs> so it's quite crazy to have Blade talking to to, to Dane well, here. Now, on. Dane's Sorry. character, so he's playing Blade. Uh, yeah, go on. That voice, Maharasha Ali is, is but that, that voice yes. is Blade. That is Blade. Blade was talking to Dane there. Yes. So it's a massive tease. Everyone's very excited for Blade, Gareth. Blade is like obviously one of the coolest Marvel characters. And I think, you know, everyone loves the original Blade film. So people are excited to see Maharsha Ali as Blade. Okay. Um, Now I turned to you and said, (laughs) look, I think Kit Harington is some sort of superhero in this film. And I can't remember what it was. And I said, it's Nightman. 
<laughs> or Nightboy or something. And I was like, I cannot remember who they're trying to cast him as. Yeah. Uh, he's actually Black Knight. He's actually Black, Black Knight. Knight. That's close. Uh, yeah. I, I'd loved if, loved it if he'd come back and said something like, oh, yeah, it's uh, Hurricane Boy. I got that wrong. But but you were close. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you now, credit. Yeah, that's close. Now, I can't say I know much about Black Knight. Um, so I had to do some research. Now, he wields uh, something called the Ebony Blade. Cool name. Very cool name for the sword. Uh, it's an enhanced sword forged from a meteorite and passed down by Whitman's ancestors. It can slice through nearly any substance, absorb energy, and be summoned telekinetically, like Thor's hammer, Mjolnir. Very cool. Um, unfortunately for Dane, the sword is also cursed. Using it gradually drives the wielder insane. Oh, boy. So that's that's why it's how that says that on the plaque. Um, it's quite cool. Like it's a cool idea. It feeds the fact that blades there feeds into this idea of there's two sort of sides of Marvel at the moment. There's cosmic, which is like what this film definitely sits within, um, uh, and what Guardians sits within, and even like the Infinity War to the end of towards the end of um, uh, you know the original Avengers cycle and things like. Um, you know, uh, I can't even think off the top of my head. Lo- uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. Thor is also cosmic. Yep. So there's all that. And then there's the occult side of things, uh, which is called cos- like basically the Marvel occult, which is like Doctor Strange. Um, you know, Wanda will fit into that as well, Scarlet Witch. Um, and then you also have Blade and now Black Knight. Yep. Now, that that's interesting. So just a you quick know, one. You've got this... A cult side of things. Yes. Do you yes. think like does Black Knight fit into the Eternal storyline, or is it? And I know that this would be an unusual step, but I don't think it would necessarily be a stupid one. Is this just just a way of setting up another film, like a, a side a side movie? If you know what I mean? Like that doesn't yeah, necessarily. This is a way of. I I think this is a way of either getting Black Knight into the Blade film. Or, or for the sort of formation of the sort of Marvel occult group, which does exist in the comics, um, sort of you know, Strange, Doctor Strange, Blade, um, Black Knight, <laughs> Doctor you know, Strange, these Blade. characters could all band together. Doctor Strange, Blade, <laughs> Doctor Strange, <laughs> yeah, uh, but they could all band together and have their own sort of mini Avengers group. You know what I mean? And because because you, you've already got things like the Guardians and Thor. Uh, and these characters already sort of creating their own cosmic group. You've got like this sort of occult group growing as well. So it's an interesting sort of thing. So I guess Kit Harrington being in the film isn't totally pointless. It it just feels a bit weird that that's how they've shoehorned uh, Black Knight into the ba- into the MCU. They must be running out of superheroes now because this is it's silly. honestly um, the back catalogue of this. <laughs> <laughs> when's it gonna be like the shoeshine kid and <laughs> captain tree insane. plant well I'm su- i was about to say i'm surprised we haven't seen howard the duck but <laughs> we have seen him in uh you know one of the guardians yeah. films and also he's uh he's very funny in marvel's what if animated series so um <laughs> definitely check that out so you know it's even astro the dog is getting um some screen time in uh, the new Guardians of the Galaxy game, 
which is out on uh, PlayStation and other platforms. Uh, yeah, amazing game. Apparently, I haven't played it. So if you like Guardians of the Galaxy and you like gaming, definitely check out Guardians of the Galaxy. The game um, it's supposed to be very good. So yes. Anyway, I think that kind of wraps up our thoughts on Marvel's Eternals. Um, it's been a very long podcast better wrap up but yeah it's been a pleasure to talk about it you know i actually had a lot of fun talking about it probably more than i did watching the film as i said hardcore marvel fans yeah definitely go see it like i think you'll enjoy some things in there i think you'll also be tired (laughs) of it the casual marvel fans like i said save yourself for spider-man no way home save yourself for thor love and thunder because you know spider-man no way home looks amazing you know a multiverse of spider-man you know dr octavius is coming back green goblin's coming back fucking uh toby Maguire, andrew garfield as alternate spider-man that is cool to me that is going to be a great film mm, that is quite cool isn't it yeah and it's also um you know our current spider-man teaming up with dr strange it's a multiverse thing it's going to be fantastic so save yourself for dr. that one strange blade will be there dr strange blade yeah um so yeah but yeah thanks gaz for talking to me about this one okay, um mate. yeah it's, it, was, it was good to go to the cinema again wasn't it let's Get, it, get out it was. and support your local cinema when you can. Definitely get out and support cinema. I don't know if necessarily you need to support Marvel because I think they make a lot of money. I think Disney makes a lot of money. Definitely go see some smaller films. Um, you know, And if you haven't seen Dune yet, which we haven't because it's not out here, go see it and then check out our review. Um, because support, support Denny Villeneuve. Support him. Dune 2 must happen. Slash it is happening. Okay. And support us. Anyway, pleasure. And support us, uh, patreon.com forward slash fancritical. Email us, fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks very much, Gaz. Uh, Thank you, Marvel, for once again sort of entertaining us. Uh, And thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. We're going to go and stand in formation and wait for some music to kick in. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Let's stand in fancritical formation and wait for the music. Okay, bye. (laughs) When you love something... You protect it. You can't protect.